that is going to be my employer and my home and the ministry that I'm going to partner with for the next, uh, it's, I'm still there, so like 12, 12-ish years. I didn't know all of that stuff was going to happen though. But when I arrived on the campus, I was met with an excited intern and the director of the ministry, Beth Guckenberger and her friend Kurt, and they said, we're glad you're here. On Thursday, are you okay if we go climb a mountain together? We're supposed to be doing orphan care the entire week. We get an opportunity to climb a mountain. I'm going to say yes. And I immediately say, yes, I should probably call my wife. But at that time, there was no way of communicating back to Ohio. So I was going to climb a mountain in the middle of Monterey, Mexico, without my family knowing about it, and it being a first-time experience for me, I'm all in. Thursday comes, we get to the bottom of the mountain, which was an interesting journey. We picked up a couple of people on the way. We just pulled off the side of the road. People jumped into the truck, and we just kept going to the base of the mountain. Just random people that just came out of the middle of the wilderness. Normal Thursday. We get to the base of the mountain, and as we look up, I see that there is rebarb or metal drilled into the side of the mountain because it's pretty much a slate mountain. And this rebarb that's drilled into the side of this mountain starts about 10 feet in the air. That's the first rung. And I look, and I'm like, I am not tall. I will not be jumping and grabbing that first rung and pulling myself up. What is the plan? And are we really going 1,600 feet in the air grabbing pieces of iron that have been drilled into the side of a mountain? How's this going to work? And at that point, a Mexican man walks out of this like crevice in the mountain with a ladder. Just walks around the corner with a ladder. I don't know if he lives in the mountain. I'm not sure if Gandalf is in there too. I don't know. But he just comes around and leans a, a ladder up against the wall. And in that moment, the, the biggest part of the story happened for me because it became a memorable moment that I still think about on a regular basis. A guide, his name is Juan, turns around and says, this is Saul, he's my friend. That was Jorge, he just owns the ladder, he's not going with us. Like, thanks Jorge, appreciate you. I have this giant duffel bag. It has everything we need to get up the mountain and everything that we need to zip line to a second mountain and everything we need to rappel down from the second mountain. I'm like, this is amazing. I really hope there are tacos on the top of the first mountain because I didn't bring any food. Maybe Jorge is going to meet us halfway. I didn't bring any water. And he said, I have everything you need for this eight-hour journey up one mountain, ziplining to another, and then down the second mountain. Everything you need. And I'm like, I don't know that you do. I'm pretty sure I know those bags. And those bags have harnesses and carabiners and ropes and helmets. Everything that's going to keep me alive going up the mountain. But it's hot out here. I didn't bring sunscreen. I don't have any water. I left it back at the door because I thought... We were just supposed to go. But what was weird is I grabbed my backpack as we were walking out because everyone else in the dorm had grabbed their backpacks. And I'm assuming they all packed theirs with things. I grabbed mine, and when I looked in it, I was like, oh, a long sleeve black shirt. Not going to use that. Anything else in there? Oh, my cell phone. Great. That's not going to help either. Maybe I'll take some selfies on the side of this mountain for later. Nothing else. I have a completely empty, useless red backpack, and their duffel bags were red too, and it was this great illustration 
that as Juan stood there with his red backpack that said, I have everything we need to get up the mountain, I looked at mine and I was like, I have nothing to survive in mine. And what you mean about climbing this mountain or going on this journey and what I mean about it might be slightly different. And you made an assumption about what I was bringing to get up the mountain and I made an assumption about what you were bringing up to get up the mountain. In addition, Juan looked at his friend Saul and said, Saul also has a duffel like mine. So if I fall off the mountain and am no, not able to complete this journey with you, Saul can finish the climb and get you down. What a pep talk. Here's your harness. Are you ready to climb the mountain? We spent the next nine hours. It took us a little longer. Climbing up a mountain, we got to the top of the mountain, and when we got to the top of it, it was quite a journey. Such a journey that there was actually a little notebook at the top that was tucked into an aluminum box in a crevice of the top of the mountain. And when you open it, you can see how many people have made this climb because you sign your name. We were on the first page. (laughs) you're, You're testing this on us. The view was amazing, and at that moment, I looked around, and I saw the other travel companions start to open their backpacks and pull out peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, bottles of water, granola bars, and for those who were not satisfied with the burn coming on their arms, some sunscreen. And I looked at mine, and I looked at theirs. And I thought, I'm going to die here. I didn't think about myself. I just thought about the adventure. I didn't think about what I needed. I thought about what we were doing. I didn't have anything that was going to get us up and down the mountain. I had no ropes. I had no carabiners. I had no harnesses. And I had no helmets. And I also didn't have anything that could sustain my own life. I was just going to be as participatory as this community was going to allow me. Someone else was going to need to eat less for me to have any sustenance. Someone else was going to have to drink less in order for me to stay hydrated. It was going to be on the generosity of someone else having less energy and their life being less sustainable in order for me to have any sustainability. And I start with this story because we're going to spend the next few weeks going through the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians is a book about backpacks and burdens. It's a book that both introduces us to the gospel of Jesus in the practical, sustainable way that each one of us should carry on our own, it's beyond the, I've saved you from eternity. That's kind of a burden conversation, right? Like the, the idea of salvation is not something that I open my own backpack and say, look, there's salvation in here. I can get myself off the mountain. Salvation is something that a guide comes and says, I have everything that you need in order to keep you alive. The guide brings it to us and says, this is a burden that if only one of us carries, we're probably not going to make it. 
Jesus claims that burden of salvation. But so often we take the identity of the gospel and we put it into the context of salvation, what belongs and what doesn't belong, instead of taking the gospel and saying, which part of it should I be carrying myself every day so that I can sustain my life with Jesus, and which parts of this gospel are communal that no one could carry alone, and it's going to require all of us to carry together. So as we start into Galatians, it would make sense to start in chapter 1, but we're all actually going to start in chapter 6, and then take the next few weeks and work our way through Galatians, asking this question, what is a burden of our community within this gospel, and what belongs in my backpack that I should be carrying on my own? Today we're going to start with the idea, the premise, the principle that Paul gives us of backpacks and burdens, or burdens and backpacks is how he lists it out. So in Galatians chapter 6, I'm going to step one verse back into chapter 5 because I believe that our English translations have actually broken this up poorly. As chapter 6 starts with an extension of the last verse in chapter 5. Chapter 5 verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin... You who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. We're going to pause there. The setup verses. Paul says, and in the the words of actual conceited, the Greek here is, if you are looking for empty glory, if any of you, any of us, if you are caught in searching for empty glory, Beware. And if you catch those around you pursuing empty glory, the self-glorification that leaves you longing for more and never being satisfied, vanity, conceit, those come under this umbrella that Paul is speaking of. But he's saying anything that glorifies yourself in such a way that it is going to give you quick gratification and long-term emptiness, be aware This is dangerous. This is not the fulfillment of the gospel. What he's really pushing is to say, there is a fulfilling glory. But it's going to require selflessness and humility and surrender and community that is the law of Christ. He's teeing us up for that. We're going, well, if there's empty glory, is there a glory of fullness? And he's saying, only in Jesus. That's where he's going. But he's saying, if you catch anyone, if you catch anyone... In sin, so many times this passage has been preached in like adultery, sexual sin, public floggings that we would have for those. The most recent this week being our friend Josh Harris who has lost a relationship. He wrote, I kiss dating goodbye. Anyone ever have to be redeemed from I kiss dating goodbye? I went through that season. Maybe even been a youth pastor during those days. Never really loved the idea of kissing dating goodbye. But he was put up on a pedestal this week that his worth was determined by this philosophy that he had written about dating and courtship to where when his marriage ended this past week, the world came to condemn him. Social media, there were just so many people that I saw just saying, oh yeah, Josh Harris got a divorce. That's funny. No, no it's not. That's not funny. That's loss. 
But there was this condemnation of like, you must have gotten caught. You did something wrong. So we come to pile on. But what Paul is saying here is in any sin, public or private, or if you have relationships that lead to an empty glorification, that I'm trying to satisfy myself to glorify my identity, and it's going to lead to nothingness. When caught here, encourage one another by this. He says that we should restore gently and be careful that we don't get sucked in. Restore gently and be careful that we don't get sucked in. Offer the cold drink of water to the dehydrated and suffering, but be careful that you don't end up without any water. Offer gentle sustenance within the kingdom of God. Do not take on the salvation of the kingdom of God upon yourself to where you have to bear the burden of being your friend's savior. Both restore gently your worth more than this. We can get through this. Your value comes from Jesus, but also staying away from, I'll be Jesus for you. Let me fix you. Like there's, there's this encouragement from Paul to say, restore gently. Condemnation does not belong here. But at the same time, we're no avengers. We don't win. By the work that we do on your behalf, we win by something else. And then he dives into a principle that I think works in the context of this vanity sin that he's talking about. But I think sometimes Paul writes in such a way that he puts a principle in the middle of an example. But if you take that principle and you drop it in any other example, it works too. And that's the principle of this burden and load that he's about to unveil. It's not just for sin or mistakes. It's actually a principle that works in order to own what Paul says is the fullness of the law of Christ. This is the key to being part of the fullness of his law. And this is what he says. Beginning in verse 2. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can make pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. For each one should carry his own load. He starts with this idea of like we should carry everything together. And then he lands in verse 5 with you should carry some things by yourself. It feels like conflict. It feels like tension. But actually, these two words for burden here, or burden and load, sound really similar, but in Greek, they're very different. The Greek word for burden of baras is this idea of a weight that is, I can't carry on my own. So it's this heaviness that belongs, the responsibility belongs to me, but the ability to carry the burden is impossible for me. I own the boulder that needs to be moved so that I can build the house. I can't move the boulder on my own. In the context of Paul, there's some writing around this idea of Galatians tying into some soldier language. Paul seems really connected to the idea of the military, what Rome has done, connecting even some of Jesus' statements back to what 
a military movement around them looks like. It's a great illustration at the time because soldiers are everywhere. And that for a military, the Baras would be like the, the catapult, the battering ram. The war machine that we're going to use in the next town that I've given you responsibility for and said, hey, Steve, I need you to get the catapult from Walnut Hills to Price Hill. And Steve walks outside and sees the catapult and says, there's no way, bad example, should have been someone else, that I could get this by myself. Steve would be like, I can get it. I can do it. If we just traverse the hills the right way, we can get down this one and up that one. I would probably try it by myself, and only after about five failed attempts individually would I go, wait a minute, I'm part of a church. If the church is with me, and this is my burden to move this catapult from here to there, maybe they like me enough to join me in on my responsibility that is a burden that is too much for me, but maybe it would be sustainable for us. That was the military mindset. I give you a command and you turn around to the battalion behind you and say, we are tasked with getting this catapult to the next city. The soldiers behind don't look and go, wait a minute, he said you, I'm not in. They look and go, yes sir, we're with you. So the idea of burden that Paul is saying here is that we need to bear with one another the things that in our community some of us are carrying the responsibility for, but they're too heavy for us to solve on our own. We can't do it alone. Paul says, if you really want to see the glory of God, if you want to see the law fulfilled, the things that are too heavy for you or your neighbors, invite help. I recently saw a, a, a pastor teach on this, and he said that help means joining you in your, in your suffering, so that if, if your burden is dark and overwhelming, then I should say, my burden is now dark and overwhelming. Let's experience burden as dark and overwhelming together. And I'm like, I don't think that's what helps. I don't need misery to love company. I need misery to meet joy so that my misery can be sustained by someone else's joy because they're going to let me drink of it for a little bit. I don't need someone else to tell me that they're as broken as I am. I don't need someone to one-up my story of burden. I need someone who's willing to say, if you're burdened, we're with you. We give you all of the things that bring strength because I don't need two people trying to work on a catapult that are weak. I need my weakness to be met with your strength so that we can carry a burden together. I think Paul is saying, when one of us is weak, restore gently with your strength and be careful that you don't get exhausted and become weak too, because then both of you will pursue empty glory. It takes a lot just in the burden context, right? It takes a lot of vulnerability from the person who's burdened, to be able to say, I can't do this by myself. I can't carry this by myself. It takes humility, transparency, margin from those who are strong to be able to help and carry the burden. 
It takes compassion and patience. How many of you in the past when you've helped someone with a burden, that means taking it out of their hand and putting it in yours and fixing it and then handing it back to them? Look, Steve, we moved the catapult for you. And he's like, I just went to go put my shoes on. It's in Price Hill. It's no longer my burden anymore. I'm not going to go back and tell the story of how I got the catapult to the other city. I'm not going to go back and tell the story of how my family stayed together. I'm going to go tell the story about how this institution moved my family and then I got to go find it. I'm going to go tell the story of how this faith community fixed my family and I'm going to go tell a story about it instead of being part of the journey to say, we got to the base of the mountain. I didn't have anything in my backpack and they still let me climb. Burden takes community. It takes an intentionality. It takes a vulnerability that we're going to need in order to pursue the burdens of the neighborhood around us, the families that we're a part of, the politics that surround us, the cultural issues that are hovering over us in this nation, ethnic conversations and inequality, status, economics. These are all categories that belong in the world of burden. And yet so many are trying to push this thing uphill by themselves. And maybe even some of us in the room. Here are a few questions you can ask when faced with burden around you. The first, what problems surround us that cannot be solved by an individual? Just go to Twitter if you want a few. Who is owning this problem that I'm facing? Who's trying to solve it? How can I serve them? Who's addressing this issue? Who was given the task? Who's being victimized by this problem? And how can I carry the burden with them? Each one should test his own actions, then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. That's the tie. Verse 4 ties back to verse 26. This is the pursuit of a fulfilling glory. You can take pride in glory that fulfills when you are living and loving your neighbor as yourself, the law of Christ, by carrying your own load. The word here is fortion, which is a knapsack or a right, like R-I-T-E. It is my right to carry this. It is my knapsack. Back to the soldier language. Roman soldiers often carried a backpack to and from each city that they would go to war next. Theirs, in the history of like personal things that I had to carry compared to soldiers around them. Some of the soldiers from empires before them, backpack, the backpacks were about backpack. That's what one of my daughters used to say. The backpacks were about between 40 and 60 pounds. A Roman soldier was about 75 pounds that each Roman soldier was, was required to carry on their own as they would go through from city to city. 
Jesus actually addresses this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, if anyone asks you to carry a burden or a fortion there in a mile, actually offer to carry it too. As Roman soldiers had a law that said, we can come to a citizen of any city, specifically a Jew, and we can give them our backpack if we're feeling like we don't want to carry it for up to a mile, and they carry the 75 pounds next to us up to a mile away from their home. And when Jesus says, if someone asks you to carry a burden, a fortion, a backpack a mile, everyone in the crowd knew he meant a Roman soldier stops in your town and says, here boy, carry my backpack for the next mile. And that you were obligated by law to carry the backpack for the next mile. And he says, at the end of that mile, you should turn, and, then, and the soldier says, all right, give it back to me and go home. And you should turn and say, actually, if it would be of help to you, I would like to carry it another mile. My enemy. Oh, my oppressor. I'll carry your backpack with you for two miles but the, so the idea to Paul's audience that soldiers were walking around with backpacks strikes them, and they're like, each person should carry their own load. But if you're a Jewish audience, you go, really? So when he says a mile, we can slit his throat? Like we can rebel? We can have war here? You're saying, like Jesus says, if someone says carry my backpack one mile, you carry it too. And Paul just said, each one of us should carry our own backpacks. Wait a minute. But he just said carry each other's burdens. Dang it. He just said carry. The soldier is stopping and asking you for help because his backpack has become a burden. Or the tension between our nations is a burden. And by carrying this with you, it's carrying the burden of the tension between our two communities. Interesting. Paul is not saying you can now tell the Roman soldier where to put his backpack. He's saying, remember Jesus told us that we could carry a backpack up to two miles, but if you then do not hand the backpack back to the soldier and return home without his backpack, if you take his backpack home, he dies. Because each one of us is required to take our own backpacks. Each one spiritually in our lives, we are required to have our own sustenance to be able to survive and continue on the journey. And so many times when hard things happen around us, we are in the business of taking our backpacks off and setting our own spiritual growth, our own physical development, our own emotional health, our own profession to the side and saying, okay, you're in trouble. I'm with you. I'm free now. How can I help you push the catapult? How can I help move this to where we need to go? Your marriage is in trouble. Hold on. Let me take mine off and set it down, and I'm with you. You don't have margin to eat? Hold on, let me take off taking care of myself. I didn't even eat yesterday because I was so busy trying to solve your food. Let me set that down, and I'm with you. Let's go. Your family's in crisis? Let me ignore mine and put this down real quick and come with you because you're in crisis, and I've got to carry this burden with you. And then we go on a journey with the people that are around us, and they end up healed or healthy or ghost us, what, any, all of it. And we turn around and we are hungry, bitter, broken, empty, wondering where Jesus is. And he's like, I'm in your backpack, man. Where'd you put it? 
and your family's like two years behind you in progress going, hey, dad, we got you. It's back here. Do you want to come back to us? Because now you've got to walk the journey back alone and hungry and empty and broken and you're not sure it's worth it. And now you're somebody else's burden. I'm someone else's burden. Paul is brilliant here. Help each other. Make sure you've got your backpack full. What's in it? Does it have enough? Can it sustain you? Who has it? Questions we should ask about backpacks. Where is my backpack? All parents in the room are like, man, I've heard that for my kid. Where did you leave it, right? Like that's the response. Where did you put it last? I don't know. Like three days ago, it was on the bus. <laughs> did you bring it off the bus? I don't know. I don't remember. It's probably at my friend's house. Would you like to call him? I don't have his number. I'll just see if it's at school. Not that I've ever done that. Have I given away, underneath this where my backpack is, have I given away my own sustainability to someone else? If, is there another human in this world that you can't live without? You would not know who you were. You would not know how to connect to Jesus. You would not know what's next because you've given away your own sustainability. Yes, this applies to married couples. Two becoming one means we have two people, one mission, one purpose, one life, but enough in the backpack for two people. There's not just one of us that's required to fill the backpack. It's both. Because sometimes those relationships are fleeting. And we've experienced that. And we know the pain and the heartache and the suffering that comes when one still has to stay here. We have to have a backpack to get through that difficulty and pain. Second question under where is my backpack? Did I stop caring for myself in order to carry care for others. Have you recently been overwhelmed with the burden of those who are around you? And have you found the need to stop taking care of yourself in order to provide for them? It might be time to do a little backpack check and see if yours is within sight and see if it has more than a t-shirt and a phone in it. Question two, what is even in my backpack? I know where it's at. I have it. What is in my backpack? Do I have enough to survive this journey spiritually in my backpack? Do I have enough to survive this journey emotionally? Do I have enough to survive this journey socially? Do I have enough in my backpack to survive professionally? Do I have enough to survive in my backpack physically? Where is it? What's in it? And then we have to create a plan to get it back if we've lost it or to refill it if it's empty. Two months ago, a grandfather called me and said, you've been working with my grandson. He's been going to school. 
He's been suspended less. We love this. Summer's coming. He's going to be in jail. Because the boys in our neighborhood who have nothing to do all day and are in the street get picked up and taken to juvenile because boys in the street, girls in the street with nothing to do. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a city street or me on a farm growing up in Kentucky. If you don't have any purpose or anything, you end up making a purpose. And as a 13-year-old boy, it's usually a really stupid purpose. They'll cause problems. So do you have any ideas? Can, we, can he work for you? I don't really have jobs for 13-year-olds, but we made one. So we came up with an internship, and we sat down with this boy and one other boy, both 13. And with them, we said, what is on your list that you need to provide at your house this summer? Backpack talk. What is it that needs to belong in your backpack? And the, fir- and the first, both of them were like, a trip to Kings Island. Number one thing. We've never been. We need to go to Kings Island. Okay, all right, it goes on the list. Like, we are always at back-to-back. We're a yes-and community. Yes, and what else? What else needs to be in your backpack? A pair of Jordans, okay? Yes, and that's, like, going to be all the summer work to get to those. What else? Clothes for school. Okay, what's underneath there? I need a haircut, okay? What else? I need a prepaid card for my cell phone. I have a phone. I need a prepaid card because I'm only using Wi-Fi. I need to be able to tell my grandpa where I am and when I'm coming home. And I need to be able to, I'm like, you need to talk to girls. I get it. But way to throw it as a grandpa thing. Anything else? Anything for your family. And what was really interesting is both boys went home, asked their grandparents, is there anything I need to provide for at home? Because I've heard my internship, what I'm going to do for this summer, if I need to be the one who provides for the toilet paper or one meal a week or whatever else, I can put that on the list. And to their credit, both sets of grandparents said, if you can take care of what you need this summer, I've got us. Both of them said, I've got us. I've got food. I've got toilet paper, I've got napkins, I've got plates, I've got the rent and the utilities. You fill your backpack. It was amazing to hear. First week, we have some hours, we do some work, and boy messages me and says, hey, I know Kings Island was on the top of my list, but I need a haircut. Can we use the first part of my money for the haircut instead of the King's Island ticket? Sure. He's like, I totaled it up. This is how much money I have. This is how much it costs in my barbershop. Can we go this Tuesday? Yes. So we go to the barbershop. Haircut. Provision. My responsibility. I should be taking care of my own haircut. It's not someone else's job to cut my hair. It's my responsibility to cut my own hair. It's why you, this is how it works out. Two weeks go by. Chris got a problem. What's your problem? Um, I moved to be closer to my job. I'm like, your job? Yeah, working for you. I'm like, cool. And I moved in with my mama for the summer because my grandpa didn't have room for me. But when I got there, I didn't have any clothes. And I don't have any way to get back to my papa's house. So can we use my money that I've earned to go buy new clothes? Like, ask your mama for sure that she doesn't have clothes in the house for you. And she got on the phone. She was like, that boy is growing. It needs to stop. I have nothing that fits him. I'm like, got it. Yeah, you can go shopping. Worst experience of my life so far is taking two 13-year-old boys shopping at, like, City Gear. Unbelievable. 
They don't know what size they are. They don't know what matches. One walked over, and in the middle of the shopping, he's like, do these fit? I'm like, I don't know. You'll need to go try them on. Doesn't know that that means dressing room. He's in his boxers in the aisle. He's just like, I'm like, what are you doing? He's just like, it's just my boxers. I'm like, I would say that's wrong, but that's how you wear your pants anyway, so we're good. He tried, and they're like three X's. He was trying on a pair of three X pants. I was like, you see that? Like, you're like an 1820 youth size. And he's like, but I'm a man. <laughs> I'm like, we're working on that. It's on the list. So he walks out. He and his best friend walk out with matching track shoots. They were just like, it was like the reincarnation of Run DMC. We were just missing the third, like navy blue track suits. And they were looking for Kangol hats. And they even had fake gold chains. And they were, when they wanted to ask for the fake gold chain, they looked at the woman behind the desk and they were like, can we have the Jesus chain? I was like, and she was like, which chain? They're like, the Jesus one, the one with him like on that, on that stick thing. <laughs> we want the Jesus one. It's the one right next to the weed. <laughs> and she was like, oh, that one. And she, I was like, and then she turned, I was like, hey, I'll take the weed one. Because I thought it would be really hilarious me walking out of that store with just like, a marijuana leaf on my gold chain and them having the two Jesus chains as we went back to meet their parents. Clothes, check, on the list. A week later, I don't have any shoes. My papa had my shoes, we shared, we're not living there anymore, so I have a pair of sandals, I don't have shoes anymore. Have I earned enough money to go get these shoes? And then he sent me a picture of a pair of $200 Jordans. And I was like, you do not. And... I've seen you, you're not strong enough to keep those shoes in the neighborhood that you live in for more than three days. Like, someone else is going to own those on their feet. So he ends up going to a store. We see how much he has, and he picks out a pair of Vans, and he's like, hey, I'll buy these. And so he goes to the counter, and he buys his own shoes. And he gets back in the car, and his friend gets in the car, and they're like, all right, we are done spending money until back to school because we know we're going to need another pair of shoes for school. We're going to need clothes for school. We're going to need our backpack, all of that stuff. And I'm like, what about Kings Island? And they're like, well, we've never been before, so I guess we're not going to go now because we're like, I'm not spending my money on that. About the same time, a church from Indianapolis was coming to spend some time in Price Hill and do some work projects with a partner organization and the director of that called and said, we're going to do this project on this day. I don't just want to be like the big, great Indiana hope. I'm like, good, because there is no hope in Indiana. I'm from Kentucky, so there's not allowed to be. Um, it's like a basketball thing. I'm like, that's good. And his response was, is there any way that we could connect to the neighborhood before we go do the work project? Like, what are you doing the day before? Right? You're with me where they were going the day before? He's like, oh, we're going to Kings Island. Well, if you want to connect to the neighborhood, buy five extra tickets. He's like, done. Burden, load. It's how it works. And it's a pretty cool thing when it does, when you see a bunch of kids from a neighborhood who've worked all summer showing up at Kings Island in their fresh haircuts with their Jesus chains and their track suits and their new shoes that they earned and worked on and are handed a ticket that were the comp tickets because the group was so big they had gotten like four free tickets anyway. And then they screamed like banshees on the banshee. 
life together? Where's your backpack? Who's burdened around you? How do we pray and encourage you? I just want to end with prayer this way because I know there's burden in this room. Some of us carry it relationally. You know, some of us carry it in our houses just this past week. And I just want to ask if uh, this, I know this might be too much, but if you're feeling burdened beyond what you can carry, if you would just stand up so that people can put hands out and we just start with prayer and then see how we can walk with you. I know that's bold. I know it's big. It's not a normal echo thing. But we're all seeing it that some of you here are burdened and we need to know. So if you're burdened today, would you stand up just please and let us reach our hands out to pray over you? And if you want to move because these are your people and they're burdened, move and come close around burdened people. I'm going to pray, and if you have prayers for the people that are standing because you know them, just whisper them as I say this prayer. Jesus, just even in seeing in this room uh, who are burdened, I pray that you would use us as a church to help meet physical needs this week. You would blow our minds by the way that you meet us and that you serve through us, and that you empower us in that. I pray that you would help us to meet emotional needs of exhaustion and loneliness, and that you would fight the lies that we believe about ourselves through the voices that are around us. And I pray for those of us who are carrying the burdens of others that we are caring for, that we are nurturing, that we are providing for, and that we are advocating on behalf of that you would you would refill our backpacks so that we could continue to walk alongside and be the safe person in the lives of others that are around us that can't speak for themselves renew the resources that are the load that we have to carry on our own give us the transparency and the vulnerability to be able to speak about the burdens that we need help with And I pray for the day that we would see your fulfilled glory on this earth through your gospel, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.